0: That's fashioned against us will stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. Lord. Greetings, I'm Will Tompkins, and what follows is our discussion of chapter one in our source text, John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress, edited by C.J. Lovick. Let's pray. O Father God, we recognize your presence here with us, and we are grateful. We pray that the words spoken here will be guided by the Holy Spirit, that they may find ears that can hear, hearts that are ready, and courage to carry on. Amen. By way of review, we learned in our introduction that Pilgrim, the sojourner, who is first called Graceless, and later Christian, lives in the City of Destruction. If you missed that introduction, you'll find it in the podcast list. Dr. Sarah Bradley wrote, We all live in that city of destruction, and it is amazing that many people refuse to think about the most certain reality in human experience, death. Only ignorance of the scriptures can enable people to rest securely when their immortal souls are in a gravely dangerous condition. Now, before we proceed with chapter 1, there are a few things to remember. Christian's journey Indeed, the journey of every pilgrim is not a physical one, but rather a spiritual one. So in Christian's case, he doesn't actually leave his home or family, but rather he separates from them spiritually, realizing that while he remains in this world, he is no longer of this world. To briefly summarize the story of Pilgrim's Progress, Dr. Bradley writes, It is one man's realization of the fact that his soul is bound for hell and his subsequent seeking after Christ in spite of Satan's attempts to stop him. The man is saved as he comes to the cross of Christ. After his conversion, he has many experiences and several encounters with Satan and his friends as he journeys towards heaven. We see how God provides for every need and is a sure help in every trial and temptation. The story ends with Pilgrim's entrance into heaven. Now, on to chapter 1. This chapter covers Christian's troubled beginning, including his family's total spiritual rejection, the conviction of his sin, the fear of dying and burning, meeting evangelist, pliable, obstinate in help, and his turning point at the Swamp of Despond. The spiritual truth that underlies this chapter is conviction, which is a fixed or firm belief. We discover that Christian has an unshakable conviction of his sin, his burden, and an unyielding determination to reach God's celestial city. In the beginning, as he prepares to leave, just like many burgeoning pilgrims today, Christian is pummeled with hurtful opposition from his family and friends, many of whom think he has lost his mind or is perhaps suffering from some form of delirium. But in the end, his faith prevails. So convinced is he that what he's reading is both true and urgent, that he overcomes the momentum of the naysayers and he flees, running away from the city of destruction with his fingers in his ears, yelling, life, life, eternal life. So he sets upon a journey during which he is transformed from graceless to Christian, a sojourner, one knot of this world, traveling to the celestial city. And along the way, he will be tested by trials and tribulations, all of which lead to wisdom and perseverance. Christians' actions here remind me of something Pastor Alistair Begg once asked. What would happen if every decision you made today was based on the eternal view? Where would our pilgrim be if not for his eternal view? What about you, loved ones? Are you taking the eternal view today? Do you have the eyes to look beyond this world and to that which is to come? There is no better time than now, for as Proverbs twenty-seven one reminds us, tomorrow's outcome is promised to no one. Now Christian meets evangelist. And so who is this evangelist? Well, he represents a preacher or a godly man of the gospel of grace, whom Christ has sent to ease the distress of the man. Christian is wearing a large backpack, a backpack so heavy that he is constantly hunched over. It is his burden of sin. Evangelist asks him why he was crying out, Sir, I understand from reading the book in my hand that I am condemned to die. And after that, to come to judgment. I am not willing to do the first, nor able to do the second. Why are you not willing to die? Evangelist asked, since this life is attended with so many evils. Christian answered, Because I am afraid that this burden that is on my back will sink me lower than the grave, and I shall fall into hell. And if I'm not ready to die, then I am not prepared to go to judgment and from there to execution. Thinking about these things distresses me greatly. Allow me a moment to interject here, loved ones. The question for all of us and one for which we need an answer is this. Are we prepared to go to judgment? Are we ready to meet our King? Evangelist wants to know then, Why he's standing still? His answer, because I do not know where to go. At this, evangelist gives him a parchment that says, flee from the wrath that is to come. Note here that it is Jesus alone who rescues us from the coming wrath. So in fleeing from the wrath to come, you are running to Christ. Amen. Then Evangelist asks, Do you see the wicked gate on the other side of the meadow? Now the wicked gate, also the sheep gate, the narrow gate, the shepherd, all represent the beginning of his walk, his approaching the Lord, our Christ Jesus. It also represents the exclusiveness of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. John 14.6 Again, do you see the wicked gate on the other side of the meadow, he asks. No, he answers. Well, do you see the shining light? Yes, I think I do, Christian answers. Then head straight to that light. The shining light represents the work of the Spirit who reassures us that the beacon will remain on, never fading, no matter how dark The world becomes. The light is the living word of God as it lights our path. Psalm 119.105. It is a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. 2 Peter one nineteen. God's word reveals to us the way to eternal life. The Bible reveals the truth of Jesus, who He is, what he has done, and why it matters. If we are to know Jesus, we must know him as he is revealed in God's living word. So even though our pilgrim does not yet see the gate, he has seen the light, the hope of the gospel. Amen. So Christian flees by running towards the light with his fingers in his ears, yelling, life, life, eternal life. And he's yelling in part to drown out the disparagements being hurled at him from those he leaves behind, including those of his family. But Jesus said, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life shall lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 10, 39. This scripture is another most difficult and unpopular message. In spite of that, the word of God is unchangeable. It is immutable. Amen. All pilgrims, sojourners must be ready and therefore willing to sacrifice everything to follow Christ. There is no middle ground. But it's not that simple, is it? How will you put the world aside? How will you weather the storm of Satan's attempts to lure you back? Here's how. By staying in the word and focused on the cross. The message from the scripture is clear, isn't it? Give it all to God while there is still time. Now, after leaving evangelist, our pilgrim doesn't get too far before he meets up with evil in the form of his previous neighbors, obstinate and pliable, coming to persuade him to turn around and away from the Lord. It is of no small coincidence that new believers are often barraged with negativity from family, friends, and strangers. They can, at this stage, become an easy target because their knowledge is weak. In these cases, what is your obligation, loved ones? James 5.19-20 to 20 answers that question. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now our pilgrim finds himself being ridiculed by obstinate. And as his name would indicate, he is the arms-crossed stubborn naysayer. He is the one who the Lord speaks of in Matthew 10.14, And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. But before we judge obstinate too harshly, shouldn't we ask ourselves what friends or comforts we frequently put before our relationship with Christ? Do we frequently enjoy the comfort of a cozy bed or one more movie? rather than quiet time with the Lord? In the meantime, Pliable has decided, for what will prove to be unsustainable reasons, to join Christian on the journey to the celestial city. Not being able to convince either Christian or Pliable to turn around, Obstinate returns by himself to the worldly comforts of the city of destruction and thereby becomes just another lost soul to the world. Now, at this point in his pilgrimage, we find pliable and high spirits. The path has been easy and the conversation with Christian quite agreeable as he conveniently sets aside Christian's warnings of the coming destructions. For a moment, it seems as though the gospel will flourish in pliable. But alas, in the end, he receives the seed on stony places. Matthew thirteen twenty twenty one. 21 but he who received the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Pliable is the one who seeks only the benefits of what Christian speaks of, He is, however, completely unconvicted of his own sin and unable to bear any burden. He's in it for the good times, knowing not that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and that hope does not disappoint. Romans five three through 4 Now as Christian and pliable are engaged in conversation, but not paying any heed to what's ahead of them, they both suddenly fall into the swamp of Despond. Now the swamp of Despond is like quicksand, a sinking hopelessness, a despair beyond measure, a place where one begins to doubt the Lord's mercy and forgiveness, a place where we are assaulted by our own internal corruption and pollution. The slough represents the uncleanness and shame felt by Christian because of his own sin. He feels dirty and wicked in light of the beauty of heaven. He begins to sink, despairing that God would save one such as him. Now, Pliable, angry that he finds himself in this position, turns on Christian and rebukes him for putting them in this wretched predicament. He's angry and offended asking Christian, Is this the happiness you've told me about? He will have none of it. And with that he turns around towards the city of destruction and with a bit of a struggle crawls out and heads towards the city. How was Pliable able to extricate himself from the slough so easily? Because he did not have a burden to weigh him down. He had only a momentary desire, Bunyan wants you to understand the difference between a real Christian and something that is fleeting. He wants you to understand that you must believe in and come to the gospel for the right reasons. Listen, people come to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. Sickness, physical wants, better job, bigger house. But if you don't come to Jesus because you're a sinner, then that's not the gospel. It is because of sin that you need salvation. And without conviction of your sin, there is nothing, nothing. So as he sinks ever deeper, Christian finds himself in great peril. He's unable to drag himself out of despond. And just then, help comes along and reaches out his hand to Christian. Who is help? It could be you, Or me, a brother or sister in the Lord, who through the Spirit within us is on the lookout for those who need reassurance and guidance. It seems clear, however, that Bunyan refers here to the work of the Holy Spirit. The slough was lifted from David's imagery in Scripture as he cries to the Lord in Psalm 41 through 2. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and heard my cry. And he also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Amen. Have you been called to offer such assistance, loved ones? Do not shirk your duty when you are, for we are called to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians six two. Now help wants to know How he got there? And Christian answers that evangelist directed him to the gate just ahead, and he was on his way when he fell in. And Help asks, Why didn't you take the steps? Christian answers that he didn't see them. But what are those steps? They are the very promises of God. The swamp of Despond wants us to believe that we are woefully beyond redemption, worse than we ever imagined so blighted, in fact, that we are not worthy of grace. Why can't this swamp be repaired? Commentator Ken Pulse writes, Once Christian is out and on his way, help further explains the swamp. It is more than a mere pond, but a wide gulf that divides the city of destruction from the way to life. We must face the shame and evil of our own sin against God on our way to the cross, and only then can we fully adore our Savior and understand the great price he paid for our salvation. According to help, the slough or the swamp cannot be mended. In spite of millions of instructions given by the king's laborers, those would be pastors and teachers, under the direction of His Majesty's surveyors, those would be the prophets and the apostles, who have written down for us God's revealed plan in the scriptures. Sin remains and continues to be filthy and dirty. Even the best a man can do is but filthy rags. In God's sight, Isaiah sixty-four six, our efforts can never be right before God. He alone can lift us up and save us. Let us pray. Glory and honor to you, Father. We come before you now seeking strength to understand and withstand, to endure and to conquer this plague of evil that has engulfed us. Let us place our faith firmly upon your promises. Let us seek your face, Father, moment by moment. Let our eyes search your word and be comforted by it, and may our living testimonies illuminate the narrow way, allowing others to begin their own pilgrimage. In Jesus' name, amen.